Welcome to the R3 Miked Up Podcast, where we listen in on important discussions happening all across the country among fellow R3 community members. The first conversation we're going to listen into is among R3 coordinators who are talking about different event management systems and the best way to collect data among participants at each event. Samantha Petter will be facilitating this conversation, and our guests are Doug Burt, Michaela Ray, Pat Olschlager, and Kyle Daly. Also, below on the post, you can find questions with the corresponding time, so you can skip around to different questions. Enjoy. Could you guys each just um, do a brief, quick introduction, like who you are, what's your position and your agency you work for, if you don't mind? And we can start, let's start with Pat, since you're the first one on the list. Okay, uh, so I'm Pat Olschlager. Uh, I work with the Pennsylvania Game Commission as a hunter education and outreach specialist, and part of my position includes R3 efforts. Uh, I also do some uh, human dimensions type work um, and help to coordinate uh, just a number of the different programs that we have going on in our state, uh, youth hunts and th and that sort of thing. Perfect. Okay, and then Doug? Yes, uh, I'm Doug Burt. I work at the Arizona Game and Fish Department. I'm the hunting and shooting sports program manager, and that encompasses most of our, what started as recruitment retention for hunting and shooting sports, and uh, play a pretty fundamental role in our, our youth learn how to hunt events through our partnership uh, model. I've been doing you know, this for... <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, I've been doing this for, since 2011, so going on six years this summer. Nice. Very nice. Congrats on that. Um, how about Michaela? Yeah, my name is Michaela Ray. I am the R3 coordinator for hunting and shooting sports in Nebraska, and my position is a joint position between the National Wild Turkey Federation and Nebraska Game and Parks. Perfect. And you've been on about a year? Um, About nine months. Well, I've been on for a year, August 1st. I think, Patrick, Pat, you're the same time frame, right? We, we talked about that eight months for you, right? Yeah, similar. I started in September. There we go. And then, Kyle, um, you come, you're coming here from not a state but a federal agency. Can you tell us who you work for? Sure, yeah. I work for the uh, Fish and Wildlife. Kyle Daly work for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the uh, uh, Wildlife and Sport Fish Restoration Program. And I administer Hunter Ed Grants across the Midwest region. So I'm based in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm kind of the unofficial R3 contact for our region at the federal level. Which is really cool. In fact, um, is Nebraska in your region? It is not, no. So we have uh, eight states in the Midwest that kind of end at the prairie states. Okay. Awesome. So it's good to have if different Yeah, it's really good to have you on board, Kyle. I mean, uh, the the states do the things that we do, but you know, we're all regulated by you know how we get funding through the feds through either PR or through grants. So having you on board and and hearing you say R three and uh, that that's exciting for us to to learn from you and and share what we're doing and make sure we're all within code. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy to be involved, um, and I'm very engaged with this topic here in our region. So, and I think it's you know at, at the national level on down, it's something that's a priority for uh, the new administration and down through the Fish and Wildlife Service. So, happy to be here. 
Good. Yeah, we're actually seeing that. Our our gal that does all the the federal grants and stuff like that, she we did a evaluation of our three programs. She was on it, but uh she's hearing that a lot in her discussions and her at her whisper meetings as well. So um good to see that we're all going the same direction. Yep. Yeah, it's awesome. Ooh. Well, and so how this all came together was we put out a call on the R3 website, and we said, anyone want to chime into this uh, conversation, um, let's try it. So, Doug, your com your post led to this um, sort of topic. Uh, can you kind of explain what you were after when you were sharing that information and um, basically the background of what you're trying to do? Yeah, so a, a couple things. I'll actually echo back to what Pat said about starting out is, um, you know, why are you collecting data and what are you going to do with it? And I think when we got started, we weren't 100% sure. Um, maybe Lauren Chase did, you know, he started our survey program and I think it was to mirror off of what Duda had done back in, I don't know, 2007, 2008. We have very similar questions, I think, to try to figure out a little more longitudinal and to find out if it wasn't just a, a survey from a kid that was excited that just finished camp. Um, so that's kind of what framed our stuff. Um, but a lot of the stuff that goes right back to what Kyle was talking about, you know, we've always collected um, federal reporting stuff, just, you know, headcount, uh, demographic as far as uh, gender and um, ethnicity. Um, but all that stuff has just been reporting. It hasn't been really data that we use to engage the customer. You know, so we have someone at a registration table that asking people their name, their age, noting if they're a boy or a girl or if they're white or uh, Hispanic or whatnot, but we weren't collecting their contact information. We put all that time in and never re-engaged with those customers. So that's kind of been what's focused us to start at least collecting customer information just so you can re reconnect with them. So for evaluation and a, a lot of stuff actually it's not just like a one kind of one option yeah thing. uh well and that was the time the evaluation stuff was coming out as well so we've we've had a lot of things coming at us that you needed all those ingredients but our first was to start re-engaging customers you know to stop doing recruitment events and start doing retention activities but that's when evaluation started coming out of wmi so you needed those tools to be able to find out if you're you're effective in those re-engagements as well. So I feel like I've, you know, been just grabbing anything I can find out of the the, the junk drawer or tools that I can use and then trying to figure out, okay, should I be using this one and what am I using it for? So that's probably what I'm struggling with most. So my post was, okay, cool, I'm collecting data, which goes right back to what Pat was saying. It's like, now what the hell do you do with it, you know? Um, First, can you make any sense of it? And then, you know, what are you looking for and how does that help you move forward? Okay. I mean, it makes sense. And um, knowing kind of the background here since 11 and how quick we've come ahead, uh, I'm kind of glad that this is coming to the, the top, bubbling to the top, because I think it's been a trend I've been hearing among a bunch of different entities from either private like industry partners or NGOs like Turkey Federation or even state agencies. Um, beyond what what Doug has highlighted, is there anyone else that wants to share 
why you're so interested in collecting data right now? Like, what's driving you? Well, our task force here in Nebraska has, um, we're focusing on a specific four of the indirect, 16 indirect threats in the National R3 plan. And one of them is lack of individual process connectivity. And so I'm curious to watch people progress through the outdoor recreation model, you know, from an awareness event all the way to continuing without support. So if we can track specifically what events they're going to, it'd be interesting to see if they go to one event and then go to an event that builds upon it and so on and so on. Um, I'm also really interested in tracking license sales. Are we creating more license buyers? Because ultimately that's what we need. Um, are we creating more license buyers? Are our events actually doing anything? You know, are they going to a learn to hunt turkey workshop and then going out and buying a license tomorrow or never? Um, and then I'm also just curious, with all the different organizations in the state of Nebraska, there's a million things going on, and it's really hard to keep track of all of that. So I'm interested in a system that all the NGOs and agency and maybe even industry, like some of our uh, Cabela's stores and things like that, could have a place where everyone could register for their events um, so we could see what's going on across the state versus all of us having our own individual registration systems. And then that registration system obviously ties into data collection. Okay, so you're like trying to centralize the information a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you 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 got a you got a big pile there, <laughs> Michaela. <laughs> so so there's a couple things yeah. if I could just interject real quick is is we want to do those first two items as well is kind of track that moving through the adoption sequence from one event to another. And and where Arizona, we all kind of got different pieces of the puzzle. We do not have point of sale. Uh, I don't have unique identifiers of customers. So those tracking licensed buyers from programs or tracking people from event to event, while we want that information, that is going to be really challenging for us without doing it in a, a manual um, survey, focus, you know, I, I don't have that data that, is a dashboard reporting. So if Nebraska has that, that'll be really exciting to see. And, it, and, and I hate those meetings where you guys have those data and we don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, we have some of that data, but I come from a recruiting background. I was a recruiter for our university here for four years. And so right. coming from that recruiting background, I am like dying because, you know, when you're recruiting new students to attend a university, you have more of that point of sale transaction where I can see every open house they went to and every email they got and every time they opened the email and, you know, I know that their yeah. parent went to the university or their sibling went to the university and I know it's, I'm just relating it back to hunting and shooting sports, but all those things can be used in the R3 world. It's just a matter of finding the best way to do it. And the system that the university used is definitely geared towards higher education, but it, I mean, there has to be something out there that is similar for an agency or an NGO to, you know, have people register for events and then build their database along the way. Oh, that's a great background to have. It's gonna it's gonna frustrate you and keep moving you forward. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've tried to implement, I don't know how what all of you are doing, but I've tried to implement um, I'm calling it an information card where anytime on the NWTF side they have an event or we set up our Jake's Day game trailer, people fill out that information card and send it back to us. And then we would input that into our um, like data entry system that doesn't exist yet. But 
uh, that's not going so well. Nobody, I, our volunteers just aren't used to having people fill it out. Therefore, it's not really getting done. But hey, Sam, time. can you put a can you put that in the parking lot? That conversation right there. Uh, customer the, engage, or employee engagement. No, it'd be like external events by partners collecting data and, you know, kind of centralizing that Michaela was just talking about. Because, you know, we do the same thing. We, you know, we court, help coordinate a bunch of the Jake events and things like that. We do some registration, but bringing all that together, that goes back to that there's a million things going on. And how do we, how do we put all that together and make sense out of it? I, I definitely and again, love that recruiting background, I'm so used to, like, if we did a high school visit, every kid that was in the room filled out this card. So you automatically right. have their contact information, really whether they wanted you to have it or not. If they came to the right. room, too bad. They were filling out the card. And so I yep. just kind of feel like it should be the same way. Anytime someone approaches the Jake's Take Game trailer, they should just fill it out because they're there. Yep. I think um, – Pat, what you're doing, dealing with in PA is, is somewhat similar to that topic, too. So maybe that's a conversation we have next. Once you have the systems in place, how do you get people to use them? Yeah. How do you populate them? Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. So we have a system we're talking about, and we kind of have an idea of why we want to use it. We want to use it for customer engagement, information collection, evaluation, follow-up through process, but through the OLM model, um, I guess, Doug, you provided a really great kind of uh, a listing of what information you collected and then also, like, the event that you collected and the, how you categorize them. We're using Calchemy now, um, but it didn't start that way. So, so the we don't host – Arizona Game and Fish doesn't host – a significant amount of youth or learn how to hands-on mentored events. Those are primarily done through our partnerships with all kinds of different conservation groups in the state of Arizona. Um, and that goes back to what Michaela was saying. There's a million things going on. Jake's events, there's, you know, a Cabela's activity. So over the last five or six years, we've brought all those people into a room and talked to them about what are they doing? How can we centralize that so it's easier for the customer for, to find and for us to see what our collective efforts are? So that's kind of what we've been doing for the last six, seven years, and that's been either a laundry list on a piece of paper or printed in the hunt regulations. But each one of those events was coordinated by would have been coordinated by whatever the said host would be. Say it's the Turkey Federation's Jake's event or our local deer agents or deer organizations doing a youth hunting camp. So all those registration process, all those happen in the dirt by those individual organizations. And it never got collect it certainly never got compiled back. Um and that's why we wanted to start using an online registration tool. One to kind of help our partners. Because like Michaela was saying, it's hard to get them to fill out the card. So we wanted to make it simple for them, put it more on the customer than it is on the, the partner. And we we just got started with that, Sam. Um, we launched it okay. in about September last year. And, you know, the use is probably, I think we collected 18 events out of 40. Some people are still okay. using the, the means and methods that they use. So that's like 50% probably of the events using it so far. Okay, so you use a 
talk to me. Um, I know other people use Eventbrite or Google Forms. Um, Pat, I think you use Calcomy as well, right? Yeah, we're using Event Manager through Calcomy. Um, so I know that we've been using this system for a little <laughs> while. Sam, I think you were around when that was brought on board, right? Um, yeah, it's like 2011, 2012. Yeah, so for a number wow. of years. The way that we do it is similar to what Doug had mentioned, where uh, our agency does not actually like host um, a lot of these hands-on events ourselves. It's mostly through partners. Uh, so the two big ones that I run are like a junior pheasant hunt program, which the agency provides birds for those hunts, and we often have WCOs, uh, conservation officers, or uh, you know staff who come out and teach safety portions. But the events themselves are run by uh, clubs and volunteers. Um, and then we have a similar program with field days where really the only involvement we have in those field day programs is uh, coordinating the registration and kind of collecting the data. So in, in that case in particular with the field days, um, really for the most part, like those clubs are doing us a service by going through our registration system so that we're able to track results. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot of that... Um, early on was kind of just building relationships with those clubs and kind of getting the buy-in. But then a big piece of it, too, is kind of maintaining that because, you know, if you want if you want to know what's going on with those different clubs and partners at their events, you've got to sort of, um, you know, l listen to what your, um, what your different partners are saying and what they need. Um, you know, there are certain situations we've had where, you know, the event management software doesn't have the fields that a club wants you to be able to modify the start time or, um, you know, something like that specific to their event. Um, and because it's kind of this big generic um, format for event creation, you know, it can create frustrations for clubs who are trying to do something that's just specific to them. Uh, so that's that's kind of where we're at with things right now. We we experienced the exact same thing, Pat, when I launched this, you know, it's like, like I said, I have 30 different hosts and they ask different questions like, well, what about if they're mentoring and, you know, how do I know what their needs are at dinner and those sorts of things. So it it is one size doesn't fit all. Um, we we addressed a lot of the things in the room, but it, it doesn't meet everybody's needs from Calcomy. I'm, I'm, you know, we already had it for Hunter Ed, and it was easy for us to use it. Was it absolutely designed to meet all of our needs? No, not at all. And Michaela, what do you you use? You started to chime in. You use a similar system, or is it different? Um, yeah. So Game and Parks uses Calcomy, but NWCF doesn't really have anything right now. We have a system like that was created internally where we can put an event on it to let people know that the event is happening. And then after the event is over, I can go back in and say, oh, there were 10 kids that attended and two adults, but there's no online registration for the event. Um, right. So, like, the the last hunt that I hosted for NWTF, um, it was actually an application process because we had so few spots for the event that people had to apply. So I didn't really need a registration system, but we don't have anything that someone can use to register online with currently. I believe Mandy's working on something to change that, but right now there's nothing. Okay. So you're, you might face some of the challenges that Doug and Pat are facing right now in trying to standardize content or some format. Um, 
No, you yeah. do have the reporting tool, though. I mean, and having a little bit of background from what Mandy did, it seems like you guys tried to standardize the reporting aspect of it. Um, NWTF maintains that that reporting tool that everyone across yeah. the nation can put in, right? Yeah, like I can go in and put how many volunteers there were, how many people attended, where the event was held at, how many shooters, how many hunters, um, information like that. But I can't upload like an attendance list or not that I know of anyways or anything like that. Right. So you do get the reporting aspect of it, but not the detailed information that we might need for like evaluation or communication after. Yeah, but the problem with that is if I'm hosting the event, then, yeah, I go in and record all my stuff because that's my job. But our volunteers can go in and enter stuff on the website. So, like, these past couple weeks I've been going through and trying to get data from events, like, from 2013 until I started in August of last year that, like, weren't closed out. So no one put how many people attended or if the event actually happened or if it was canceled. And so I've been going through and trying to update all of that because the volunteer doesn't enter it in all the time. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. what, what system are you doing that in? It's just like an internal um, an internal NWTF system. Okay. So like uh, data accuracy and stuff like that might be a little bit of a challenge then because people don't close yeah. it out. Sort of relying on like yeah. the volunteer to close the event out, it seems like. Yeah. Although, Doug and Pat, is that something you guys have to rely on too? Is volunteer part, uh, like the head volunteer closing the event out, like in Hunter Ride Systems too? Yeah, I was just going to comment on that. Um, we've we've had similar issues. Um, I know, like before I started this position, there was uh, some transition uh, periods uh, where there wasn't like a dedicated person to to manage all of these events and sort of follow up with each club and make sure that you know clubs were reporting attendance for our, our junior hunts and things like that, um, you know, and there are some gaps in our data because of that. So that's definitely a big pay, uh, piece of this. I think, you know, e the event, um, so the online event registration tool is a useful tool just for kind of consolidating all this information. But I think there's definitely, there's sort of this trap you have to watch out that you don't fall into where because it's automated and it's online, you don't fall into complacency in terms of the personal follow-ups and that sort of thing. Um, I know that, you know, again, we've had some issues with that um, <clears throat> just in, in trying to uh, coordinate with instructors or volunteers. Also, um, getting buy-in from, you know, a lot of the, the hunt clubs that run uh, our junior hunts you know, the, the people who are running them are, you know, older retirees, uh, you know, guys who aren't as familiar with technology. So um, yep. I think definitely, if you know, for any state who's thinking about kind of going this direction, you want to have a plan for how you're going to train people um, and how you're going to follow up with these things, you know, figure out what, what the important data are that you need to have, um, and then figure out a plan for kind of following up uh, with, you know, individual instructors or coordinators of events to make sure that you get all of that data. Um, you know, it, it definitely would be a mistake to just kind of set the online system up and expect that it's all going to come in, um, you know, to your lap with, with no effort on your part. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. And um, Kyle, since you're representing some uh, maybe eight states that aren't on this call, um, and from, from the federal perspective, I mean, Whenever someone gets a grant, they have to report output and outcomes to you. 
getting the numbers in might be a good output, but the outcome is really what we're after right now, like what happens afterwards. So yeah, is there think, anything from your experience in working with the other states that you might add to this? Like, yeah, what are your I mean, thoughts? This is, this is great to hear. Um, I, I guess I'll introduce this. Regionally, we've had uh, Hunter Education meetings the last couple of years, um, and at those meetings, a large component of what we talk about is our three efforts. And what I particularly am interested in is uh, is assessing these efforts, um, kind of being new into this position and coming in um, and having maybe some fresh eyes and looking at things and saying, well, why isn't, if we're still seeing, you know, hunting declines and we're having, offering all these assorted programs, you know, what is working and where? Um, so that's kind of and we lately we've been talking about kind of doing this at a regional scale. Um, so what you guys are talking about, <clears throat> I stand up in front of the group and I and I propose these ideas that are not new ideas that I'm presenting, but um, just kind of a maybe we can do this as a region and help inform each other. Um, the states can help inform each other. Um, so understanding kind of the hurdles that you guys are going through to even get the data to answer the questions that I'm proposing um, right. is really important for me to hear because, you know, I, I my world is, you know, a, a grant document saying, well, you know, this is the stuff you have to have in order. And then your yeah. guys' world is getting all that stuff in order, you know, years in advance. So um, it's been, I mean, this is refreshing to know that these thoughts are being carried out nationally um, and also good for people like me to hear just to say, you know, there's a lot of things that need to take place and before we get to the point of actually maybe being able to answer some of the questions that are being asked. So, For sure. Yeah, really can I add? Perspective right now. Go ahead, Doug. So, Kyle, we do a, a grant to local sportsman's group here in the state of Arizona. So from, from a, a grant or top hat that I'm wearing right now. It's it's state dollars, not federal dollars, just to be clear. Is we used to just take an application, said, yeah, we're gonna do uh this conservation camp where we're gonna teach basic hunter education philosophies, not necessarily a hunter ed class, but whatever the group wanted to do, right? They had a youth camp or they were gonna set up a table and they're gonna shoot BB guns or well, all the different plethora of, you know, those outreach introductory things. And we had grant them accordingly based on, you know, did they meet the model and and so on. And the report that we got was, yeah, they did the event, this many people went maybe, and um, just a handful of data back, not just to, to authenticate that they use state dollars appropriately. Well, since we've been doing R3 and, you know, talking about the adoption sequence and focusing on outcomes versus output is we've shaped our grant program with all kinds of restraints on it you know you can't just do a, a public outreach event you know our focus right now is retention so it has to be a hands-on with intent a take the wildlife that requires some type of you know activity in the field other than just hi did you know about game and fish you know wildlife and these conservation efforts and that excluded a lot of people from applying for grants because there are so many just startups i guess i'd call them you know and and when we get grants through you, it's kind of the same way, you know, it's like, yeah, we're going to do the learn to hunt camps and, you know, we, we outline what we say we're going to do. And it's twofold. One, we're, I think we're focusing our grant dollars towards where we think our efforts should be, but we also have to be careful not to ask for 
um, measurables that we can't measure or we can't really justify too. So that's a tough balancing act. And I can see that's happening on your front as well. You know, it's like, are, are we putting money towards good efforts? Right. And I think, I mean, I think you need to hit the nail on the head there. It's, we try to be as out, outcome based as possible, but realistically, a lot of a lot of folks don't measure outcomes or can't measure outcomes directly, or it's very challenging right. to do so. So understanding that link between the number of heads in the room, the type of courses that's being offered, and the number of you know license sales or however you want to measure the outcome of that, um, understand that link is kind of where we're thinking right now. Yeah, and. So kind of what we've done is since I can't say did you did you recruit a new hunter did you teach them these five elements and was that an effective program you know no one no individual organization can do that is I do require them to ask certain questions to try to find the right customer or the right candidate for that program I do require them to collect digital contact information either using our system or to provide that that customer data to me. So if they didn't use my Calcomy registration tool because of the things Pat talked about, it's hard to use, doesn't match their organizational needs or whatever, is at the end, I need that registration list of the people who attended an event that we funded. Mm -hmm. So we can plug them into the system and go, hi, did you have a good time? If you're developing some basic hunter education skills, here's a hunter ed class, or here's an advanced class, or here's the next hunting opportunity. So we can stay engaged with that customer and, and at least track some steps and go, okay, there's more outcome the more you engage with them, that, that we know. <laughs> exactly. Making that chain and stuff and trying. So I think it's really important to have a system that you can work with different people in different formats. Um, just kind of hearing, even like from my perspective, working with the different state agencies, not one agency the same. However, there are some commonalities that we can try to set so that we can move people forward and build a system that will work. So I, I think you're really smart and forward-thinking for being willing to accept different formats and having standards on how you can do that. Yeah, yeah, we're we're coming into our grant cycle. So now that we know what we're collecting on Calcomy, because I didn't know Calcomy would be live when I did my grant program last year, the, the pains of being in a state wildlife agency. Um, now I'm going to make sure that I'm collecting at least five, six, seven elements in addition to contact information. Whatever system they're using, those will be required reporting as part of our grant program. Okay, so I'm going to hover in on that that specific point. Um, there's a lot of conversation going on right now about national, at the national level, of what questions to ask at the onset. So. If you guys have a list handy, or at least can give us an example of some questions, what are you doing? What are you asking? Uh, maybe, Doug, do you want to go first? So, and a lot of people that use Calcomy Event Manager, like Pat said, you know, it's kind of like a cookie cutter, massive form. You can't make customizations between the event that happens on the 18th to the other event that happens next month. You know, they they have the same template, so. They're all red Studebakers or they're all red Ferraris. There's there's no changing from event to event. So, and a lot of people don't know you can even ask different questions on Calcomy. They think it's just a regular hunter ed stuff. What's your name? What's your address? Um, 
I don't even think they were collecting email addresses on it through the standard Calcomy. I was like, what are you guys doing? So as part of our student registration for our Learn How to Hunt camps, they, you know, obviously there's the top questions, the your name, your address, your birth date, your gender. I think those are standard federal, federal reporting that Calcomy makes work for all the states for hunter ed cards. Um, and those fields are fixed. But okay. we ask them, um, um, this is, uh, what is the primary activity you're doing at this event? This is for our event host to know if the person's coming is going to be hunting, if they're a mentor, or if they're just coming as a parent so they can determine the headcount for the event. Because a lot of our camps are remote, three-day events, and they need to know food, capacity, that sort of thing. We ask if they have a hunting license. We ask if they have our hunter education card. Then we ask them what their hunting experience is, and it's uh, like a six uh, or five different questions of to what degree their skill level is. Again, that's to help the hunt host know what kind of customer he has coming up, if he's going to need a lot of mentoring, or if he has people with mediocre skills that <coughs> he can better balance his resources. Of course, this gives me a baseline to know how many people at the event had little or no experience or vice versa, right? Right, exactly. Then we ask them a series of questions of, you know, what species they've hunted, small game, waterfall, big game, predators. And then we ask specifically, have you hunted the animal that's being hunted at the event that you're attending? So that, again, helps them, you know, I have no experience, but I've hunted everything else, meaning I've never turkey hunted, but I've hunted everything else. Then we ask them what their parents' experience are in a similar fashion. So I can find out if I just got a nine-year-old that doesn't have any experience, but their family's very highly qualified. I can identify if they really need a mentor, if their parents are possibly someone I can turn into a mentor, or if maybe they shouldn't be coming to this event. I ask them how many events they've been to like this. And I ask if they've ever attended this specific event before. And we ask if they have the equipment required for the event. And then we have an open field question. So that's pre-event stuff that the students filling out through the online Calcomy event registration tool that is, that data is exportable through uh, data files and bunch of other stuff that's kind of hard to work with, but we're trying to help our, our event host with that. And then it also gives me a snapshot I can take. That's what I showed online was, okay, I have 18 events where these questions were answered by somewhere around, what, 700 people. Gives me a pretty good snapshot of who's going to our events and what their experience level is. It definitely does. That's, that's awesome. You got, you ask even more in-depth questions that I, than I realized, I think. Um, yeah, Calcomy pushed back on me pretty hard. They said, you know, they, you know, they want it to be very simple, like you were doing an Amazon.com shopping. And I get that. I was like, but, you know, these people are coming to us and wanting to do an event that is hosted for free from our focus groups that everybody said, I don't know how you guys, we really appreciate you doing this. You know, they they love these events. So at minimum, they can fill out a little bit of data for us. So have, are you tracking, are you able to track, like, if, you know, there's too many questions? Are you keeping an eye on that? Um, all of our events are at capacity, um, but I have okay. not 
went back and asked the people that didn't come because of the online registration why they didn't come. So um, I don't know what that fatigue looks like, Samantha. That's a good question. But from seeing full events and stuff, you're thinking if you're building it, if you build it, they're coming and they're not complaining right now. You're Correct. in a good spot right now. Yeah. And if I'm getting a complaint, I'm getting it from someone that's gone to a whole bunch of events and they've registered all four of their kids for a whole bunch of events and they wish they had a user ID number. Um, and while they're complaining, I'm identifying them as frequent flyers and why are you not continuation without support yet? That's true. Very why are you, or are you mentoring and how do I turn you into a coach? Um, so, yeah, I haven't gotten that far down. I'm just happy that, you know, all of our events in one place, very easy for people to do it on their phone. Uh, they get text reminders. It has a map location to where the event is. Um, we can attach files. Versus like a like an events calendar or Google, we used to use Google Calendar for the longest time, and it's good for shareability and dynamics, but it it doesn't have the registration process. Okay. Um, what do, what do you guys asking on yours? That's what I was going to ask, Michaela. Do you guys have an ability to ask any questions just yet? Um, I don't know about Calcomy because I don't register too many events through there because there's so many other people through Game and Parks that coordinate those events. But through our NWTS system, like I said, we can't even register online right now. Uh, but if I, those are all questions that I was thinking of and I would ask. And I kind of asked in that application process for my last hunt. Um, I don't think there's anything I'd add or take away. Um, I know that I just recently gave out a survey that had not related to registering for events, but that had numerous questions. And most people dropped out of the survey after like 30 seconds. So I know their attention span isn't very long, but. Was, was that on an exit survey? No, it was on, we were trying to do an R3 program inventory survey. So we were trying to get like DU and PF and NWTF chapters to tell us what events they completed related to hunting and shooting sports in 2016. And man, it was hard to get the volunteers to stay on and fill out these simple questions. Yeah, yeah, they're worse than customers. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> I can say that tongue in cheek because they beat me up on a regular basis and I know it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the... so... Hi, what questions do you guys ask? Yeah, so um, a lot of it's similar to the stuff Doug had mentioned. So. Um, looking, I'd actually, since I just started on this fall, I had gone through all of our junior pheasant hunts and everything, not realizing that it was already set up this way. But uh, yeah, there, we have that ability on uh, Event Manager to ask questions during the registration process. And we've been collecting some of that data. Uh, so similar to like Doug said, we ask about whether they have hunter trap education, uh, whether or not their family has, anyone in their family has hunted. We ask them about their experience in hunting. And then some logistical stuff like T-shirt size, right or left-handed. Again, those things will be yeah. helpful for the people running the events, uh, whether or not they've participated in the past. But then uh, we also primarily use this contact information from our online registrations. Since we have everyone's contact information through that process, we then go and do follow-up surveys post-event and ask more detailed questions similar to like Doug was saying, um, you know, what species have they hunted? 
you know, what family background, you know, more in depth than just has anyone in your family, you know, like we're asking about do parents hunt, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know, trying to get a sense of the kind of support network somebody has, um, you know, their level of experience uh, hunting the species in the event versus other species, right. whether or not they've held a license previous to participating in the event. Uh, so we're asking a lot of similar stuff, but just the way that we have it structured, we only ask a few of those questions on the front end, um, and then the majority of that we do with follow-up surveys using the contact information that we collect. How are you doing those? What, are you, what tool are you using for those follow-ups, Pat? Uh, I, this fall I did it uh, through SurveyMonkey, uh, so, okay. you know, nothing super technical. Um, you know, pretty, so you, pretty successful to everyone. But that we, like I said, we had pretty good follow-up on that, and that that tool is fairly straightforward to use. So yeah, so we're I, I, I'm I'm enjoying the conversation, uh, Sam, even if it just benefits me. Um, so Pat, you do something very similar to that we do. We also do uh, uh, our survey through SurveyMonkey, and I heard you say you did some human dimensions work. So now you got all these different fields and different data sets and trying to match up a customer and find out what their pre-questionnaire said, what their post-questionnaire said. Is that a challenge for you, or do you have a secret wand for that? Uh, to be candid with you, I haven't really gotten to the point of doing that level of data analysis just because um, you know we, we've been focused primarily on the post hunt surveys we're asking a lot of those duplicate questions we get a high enough response rate from those um, and we've gotten similar responses in consecutive years that we have a pretty good handle on sort of what our demographics are for these hunts yeah you know it's basically what we've seen is what is fairly common for for a lot of these events um, you know, is the the preaching to the choir sort of effect, where it's mostly families from hunting backgrounds. Uh, you know, a lot of hunting experience in the family. They've hunted just about every species. You know, the, primarily the participants in, in our events are the avid hunters. Uh, there is a little bit of deviation from that in like our field day events, as opposed to our junior pheasant hunts, because the field day is sort of like a smorgasbord trial of hunting, fishing, camping, canoeing, and that one also varies a lot from club to club. Um, but anyway, no, we it, it's one of those things where we we have kind of gotten the information that we wanted from it, and so we we haven't really right. had the need to go further with it based on what we're doing now. Now, what you were talking about is actually going in and using that data to look at each person and say, okay, you know, is this person someone that we want in a program to do more follow-up and whatnot? And I guess my question to you there is are you at the point where you're actually doing that, where you're actually, you know, restricting people from participating in consecutive years or, you know, redirecting, um, you know, a participant to an event that's more appropriate for them from like an awareness trial event towards a continuation sort of a thing? Because in our state, we're not, we're not at that point. We're still just kind of taking who comes and figuring out who they are. But I'm curious if you're getting to be more interactive where you're using that data about who they are to direct them somewhere. No, we're completely aligned there and that's uh, that's where we want to go. And because they're partner hosted events, we can't tell them to not, you know, take this person or that person because that that they don't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But 
as each year we host our, our our three state meetings and we provide them the data, whatever we have, as much as we have, and what that baseline looks like, which is basically you explain the same thing we have. We have a very good baseline of the people that are coming to our event, um, yeah. and a three quarter probably three quarters of them have the makeup that you just described. Um, right. There are some nuances there that we're trying to figure out, um, but yeah, we would like to be able to. Um, arm the host with the information by asking these questions and find someone that might not be the best candidate for that event and say, you know what, this might be a little redundant for you. Here's three other events that might be better suited for you. Or you're not going to get a mentor and we'd like you to bring your own food and we're going to ask you to help <laughs> versus, you know, you're brand new, we'll hold your hand, we'll do everything for you. So trying to, to, to get a good customer experience, but let them have the expectations of what type of activity they're going to get based on their experience, too. So we are not there, Pat. Uh, that is the goal. Um, Sorry, I, I'm curious, when you said that's the goal and that you're kind of presenting that information with partners and communicating that with them, I, one of the things I'm thinking really about this, a lot of this data is that you know, a big piece of this, I think, is that it can be used as a communication tool, but a lot of what I'm seeing just in my context is that there's not a lot of that communication going on. Uh, you know, there's kind of, at, on my end, at the agency end, we kind of know what's happening at the, the broader level, um, you know, but it, it almost feels like there needs to be, a, you know, almost some evangelism of, of sorts just to, to sort of get people on board with this and to, to make them aware of what what goals are or invite them to, you know, work towards some of the agency goals or, you know, some of the bigger picture yeah. are three goals. And I'm just wondering, you know, to me that seems like where a lot of people are hung up right now is how, how to get from, you know, where we are with the information we have to, okay, where do we want to be? And I'm just wondering if you kind of have a, a plan or an outline for like a, sort of like a strategic communications plan with your partners and and um, what that looks like. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's an ongoing um, process for sure. Um, so our ad hoc group of people, which is a bunch of key stakeholders that we've been working with for probably half a dozen years now, is called the Hunting Angling Heritage Work Group. So that's from Turkey Federation to local deer associations, uh, youth development organizations that are involved in uh, traditional activities um, and, and different conservation partners. We meet two times a year, winter and summer, and have basically these R3 conversations, you know. Why is it important for us to be together? Because of the decline in hunting and fishing license. That's what kicked it off five, six years ago. And we kept showing them that case that, it, you know, you better start stop fighting that you know, you don't like bow hunters because they take into your muzzleloader season. That th Those conversations are a big problem. And, you know, we need sportsmen and conservationists, and this is why. Um, but you got to keep retelling that story every year because there's always a new person from that organization, you know, next year or the year afterwards that you have to re-prove that case, Pat. Yeah. And then we just present as much information that we feel is in their best interest because if we have a decline in all that, then it's going to impact their organization and 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 it impacts species and habitat, which all these guys are aligned on. Guys and gals, my apologies. 
Um, and, you know, I just try to bring relevant data to and conversations to each one of those biannual meetings. And they're a butt kicker. I can guarantee you that, you know, a month before my meeting, I am freaked out and stressed because, you know, these are pretty high rolling stakeholders, you know, that I get to present to. And then, you know, after the meeting, I feel like I've been dragged through, you know, a bed of grass and broken glass blades and stuff like that because, you know, you just pour it all out there and these guys ask tough questions. And um, you hope you're meeting their needs and you hope you keep them engaged. Yeah. What, what are some... Real quick, Michaela, don't you work with your group as well in doing some of those things? Um, yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Every everything related to data collection and event registrations has just been really slow moving. So I don't feel like I can say we've quote unquote done anything. Okay, so you're trying yeah. you're you're approaching that point of trying to get them there. Yes. Yeah. Um. Pat, for your background, just so you know, um, we did a series of meetings across the state for about three years, uh, selling event managers. It was a traveling sales thing, and you gave them background, like Doug had mentioned, of what it was, what the system was, try to inform them with enough information, like who was going through the program. And for like 50% of those constituents, they got it. It was good. It was good insight. They were like, they loved it. They were like the data people. The other ones were like, no, you know, that's nice, but I don't think that's right about my program, even though you collect the information on the program, but that's still okay. That's not their program, and um, they like what they're doing, and they're going to stay doing that. Um, and it, it's kind of like balancing this this need. You know, you want to move everyone forward, but not everyone's going to go. you got to focus on, like, your winners, you know, your people who are really willing to step up and try it, like you are talking about that evangelism approach. And you have some good yeah. ones. Um, the other side of it, and Doug kind of talked, touched on this a little bit with his state grant, um, incentivize, incentivize use of it. Uh, that was the one thing we saw in PA, uh, getting people to use it, offering them like a $300 stipend or free game news, whatever free magazine subscription you could get for all their registration participants. That seemed to bring them on board if they didn't believe in the altruistic nature of trying to make the programs better and everything, like the incentives for the backup. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and you started for those I was going to say, for those ones that are not ready to onboard, what I do is um, because they're still, they still want their event promoted by Game and Fish, right? They all want to be listed yeah. in the rags or on the website. Is, is I still put it in Calcami. I list the date so it gets promotion, and I close registration, and I'll put their email link in and say, to register, contact this person. So it's still... So those people might take a year, but you go, hey, did, how did your event do? We hope we got the right customer there because we listed it. And part of our outreach was telling everybody about the events that we host through our partners. And your event was there. So hopefully you got some emails. Well, yeah, that's, that's, the thing about that's the thing about Nebraska. I don't feel like our partners are necessarily asking us to advertise their events. They're asking us to work with them to help them send out the like initial invitation. Can you pull a list for me and tell me who I should invite? But after that, I don't feel like they're, like you said, like, hey, can you list my event on the Game and Parks webpage? Right. Um, I mean, I kind of wish they would because then there would be a little leverage, but right now they're not asking for that. But yet they do kind of complain about low attendance at the same so time. But we, we dealt with low attendance about five years ago. I used to be in public information and 
they'd be hosting an event, and they'd tell me that Monday that the event coming up on Saturday had 20 empty seats out of 25, you know, want me to send a press release up, which is what drives our percentage numbers, Pat, right? Yeah. Send out a press release the week before a hunt to a bunch of hunters and find out who shows up to the event, right? <laughs> Newbies can't just pull the cord in five days and show up at a hunt event in the middle of the wilderness to go deer hunting for five days. So it's a wonder we haven't built a customer base like this. So um, on and that certainly, And we certainly don't have events quite like that in Nebraska. We don't really have much for overnight events. Everything's like a yeah. one-day wonder type of thing. Um, so it's a little different, but... Um, and, and I know you're probably just saying it tongue in cheek. I, I would, I would not be sarcastic towards one day wonders that a lot of those strung together can build an excellent natural pathway and adoption sequence. And they I think can, the but I, they can, but what we're seeing is that everyone goes to it and then they don't do anything else afterwards. And that's the frustrating part. They just wait until they can do that same thing again next year. Or yeah. our other problem is we don't have enough events in the state to build upon that. Like um, yeah. we have our next archery task force meeting coming up and with our program inventory survey, I've been doing everything, put someone in the interest and trial stage. Well, then after yeah. they do that, there's nothing else for them to do, which is something we have to fix. Wow. Well, don't worry, is, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> I, I, there's so, so much being shared here um i wish i could have four or five hours i think this is leading up to a bigger bigger conversation too um well this is the national conversation samantha i mean this is where everybody's at and you know you might have license sales and and dashboards but in the end you if if you're driving program to do that then you you need to be able to, to manipulate program and customer names and get them where they need to go so what are you guys trying to work on? Like one thing right now, if you just had to say, this is the one thing that we hope by this time next year we have solved. What would that be? Mine is, well, I know you said one thing, but there's like a million things. You already know that. Um, but I would really like to see a wider span of events in the state so that we can move people through the outdoor recreation model. Um, because like I said, it's really frustrating to send someone to a trial event and then have nothing for them after. So I'd really like to see the NGOs or Cabela's or agency work to create a wider variety of events and not by recreating the wheel, but by working together and just thinking about it a little bit more strategically that we don't need 50 mentored hunts in the same spot. We can do other things. All right. So think, and Doug, what about you? Those things are stumpers. Um, I think it's kind of what Pat and I talked about to be able to, well, we just, we just classified our events by different types of skill levels, introductory, beginner, developing. So I'm kind of in a sit and monitor and wait mode and communicate that with our partners and see what's working and what's not working. Okay. Like it's focusing a terrible on evaluation. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm so used to so much activity and that you know, I've made a couple of posts about this that, you know, it's like, Oh, we got these events, we got you know, we need to get these events going and we need to get stuff there is now that we're collecting data is it's a slower process, you know. Almost everything's in place. Now you're just kind of 
watching what's happening and trying to make small tweaks and adjustments to it. And that's a really uncomfortable place for me. Um, I think my goal is to personally is to get better with Excel and manipulating and evaluating data that is useful for my partners and for me so we can make decisions for change. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a mess. No, that's awesome. How about you, Pat? Yeah, so with me, I, and I again, I think this goes to the conversation Doug and I were having, but um, one of the pieces that I'm trying to look at is, okay, I have this information about the programs I'm doing now. I kind of know, you know, where the gaps are in terms of who we're reaching or, you know, what we're providing. It's mostly, you know, trial stage or, you know, continuation stage for people who are already pretty avid. So I think my my goal is to try to take that information that we do have and come up with a plan for how to communicate that and how to kind of use the, the data that we have to, you know, address some of these gaps, uh, you know, just in some of the, the stuff I've been thinking about, um, even just while we're talking here, you know, trying to develop communities, you know, if I can look at the information I get from an event participant and figure out that they are somebody with family members who don't hunt, you know, and they attended this event on this date, and I have contact information of, of everybody else there, you know, maybe even something like trying to sort of, you know, create communities or, you know, try to, you know, contact groups of participants and give them opportunities to, you know, participate in future events together, you know, mentor each other, help each other out maybe even doing, you know, that sort of matchmaking type thing, but, you know, really trying to kind of use the the data that we have and, and to do something about the gaps that we've identified, so. That's awesome, using the data to your advantage. And, and Kyle, I know you're in a little bit of a unique position because you're not actively engaged on the systems, but from a regional perspective, what do you think? What is like? What are your takeaways, and what are you going to try to do now that we've had this conversation? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I think where I'm at as far as um, understanding which states are collecting data, like you guys seem to be, all be really engaged with the data you're already collecting. Some of our states aren't even collecting the data yet, so we're trying to get some some regional inertia built up to help uh, at you know have those states start collecting the data just basic data, if anything at all, so we can start building this more regionalized approach to uh, uh, assessing our R3 efforts. So that's something that's big on our plates right now. Where I think we're building some momentum with that. Um, and then also just uh, staying uh, engaged with with R3 efforts in our states. I mean, this is a huge eye-opener just being on this call um, for me. And, and I'm I'm supposed to be the kind of the regional per contact for the Fish and Wildlife Service on these things. So there's a lot of things going on that I need to be aware of. So um, obviously that's important. Awesome. Well, just so you guys know, okay, Doug. I was going to say what what Kyle just mentioned about some of the basic data, and some states do, some some don't. Maybe maybe we could come up with. I, I don't want to call it a practice best practices or anything like that but maybe you know we started the meeting with you know what why are you collecting it what items you're doing what you're doing with it and then maybe just a handful of questions that help people um, collect that and how they would use it might be helpful to, to 
like a guidance page or something like that if you're collecting this these things can help you do x i think the challenging thing for people in our region have, have been that we we can sell the importance of collecting the data to the hunter ed administrators and the r3 coordinators yeah but they can't make the decision to actually implement it so how do we right. reach the audience that can make those decisions I think that uh, that comes through partnerships too, Kyle. Definitely, um, right. Comes through partnerships and in, in demonstrating the value of such efforts. Uh, what you're talking to, so Pat, Michaela, and Doug are probably three of our leaders as far as our three coordinators go. Uh, as far as popping in the seat and taking huge strides in it, that's one of the reasons they signed up for the Dutiful in the beginning of all this. Um, I think, Doug, what you're saying about, like, a, a strategy or, like, a document, just describing it, it's definitely yeah. something uh, I think would be helpful because the there's other states, like, I know for Kyle in Missouri, the other Kyle, Laramore, is uh, getting all his events on an online process with S3 Sportsman. Um, I know Wisconsin is trying to promote their event through uh, Eventbrite and through the Powerhook app and trying that out. And Megan in Iowa is, like, opening up her registration system for Pheasants Forever and potentially NWTF to try to register participants through their system and learn that partnership aspect that you guys have been working on for a while, too. So I think um, everyone's in a little bit of a different stage. So the one common ground that everyone could work to is collecting that same information. Like, step one, name, date of birth, email, and basic hunting level. So, like, we could find we could find those those core questions. And, and everyone's yeah. going to be a little unique. Not every state's going to need a left-handed, right-handed question, but right. sometimes you put stuff in that makes your, your event coordinators happy. And that's going to be a little bit different. But if you could offer those key foundations, that might be the next step here. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and um, Megan's coming to our R3 task force meeting in Nebraska next weekend to kind of talk to our task force about that system they're using. So I'm kind oh, of cool. hoping having an outside person come and tell the NGOs how great it is. Maybe it'll push us forward a little bit because it'll be someone besides me and Jeff and Hershey saying that we need it. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, then, um, thank you, everyone, for uh, being involved in this conversation. Um, if you have other ideas, holler at me.